everyone. Welcome back to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. We are here with a very special guest. Dave Taylor is not special guest, but he, well, that's the we. That's the we bit. I'm loving it. Uh, I'm Neither really, special or guest. Yeah. <laughs> He's special. Special name. He's not a guest. Um, I'm Riley Spring, Dave Taylor, and we're here with Andy Farmer, our friend um, from the U.S., and Andy has been a Christian since 1981, so probably, you know, the total time that Dave and I have been Christians together. I'm not trying to say you're old, Andy, but, you know, the, the years count for themselves. Uh, he joined Covenant Fellowship Church in 1984, which is uh, a Sovereign Grace Church, which was planted out of one of the first Sovereign Grace Churches. Yeah. And then he became a pastor in 93, so he's been a pastor for 28 years. He's involved in church planting, serves on the executive committee for Sovereign Grace. He's involved in the Biblical Counseling Association in America. I haven't got the name right, but you can yeah. correct me later. Uh, and he's just an awesome dude. He's currently wearing an awesome whale t-shirt, and I'm, I'm appreciating that. I like a good party shirt. Hard to describe. Uh, and, and we have Andy out uh, because, you know, we like him. Uh, and he has some real great gifts in the area of biblical counseling world, mental health world. Uh, and I want to throw to you, Dave, and really just ask, why did, why did you invite Andy out? And uh, what was your hopes for having him out here? Well, I like his whale shirts. Yeah, the whale, they're, they're helpful. Yeah, that's where we start the process. You're like, they're pretty special. Mm. Yeah, I think there was a few reasons. I mean, our, our hope was actually to have Andy out two years ago. Oh yeah, what and happened? Then we had something called COVID that seemed oh, to be a global. What was that? Global problem. I know. I was shut out of your country. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were shut out leaving as well. It was a long story, um, but I think through that process, I mean, we would have been great two years ago. Mm. But looking at the culture and the climate in Australia now, I was just reading something in the paper yesterday, saying that one in four young Australians uh, thought about suicide over the past two years. Fifteen percent attempted self harm, according to a poll of 16 to 24-year-olds. But then talked about 82% of those surveyed said they experienced mental health issues during COVID-19. 82? Um, Yeah, 82%. Wow. Which is massive. So, I mean, so we wanted Andy to come two years ago Hmm. because I think Andy just has a wonderful gift in this counselling, mental health, pastoral ministry uh, world that I I don't have. I want to learn like everybody else. And I think what I noticed in Australia and in our context here is we kind of have two extremes. We have the one extreme that sort of our pastoral ministry will just pass everybody to a psychologist, that it has nothing right. to do with us. We can't counsel people or step into that world. What, what can we do? The other side of the coin is, oh, I think mental health is, is wrong. You know, it's just trusting God. We need to trust God. And, and I think what Andy brings to us is the whole understanding of how we walk with people with mm. mental disorders. Um, in love. And so you read First Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Loves bear all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Hmm. And I think what we're learning there, and I think what Andy serves us so well in in Sovereign Grace here, but Sovereign Grace Churches, 
helping us understand the basis of pastoral ministry is love. So we walk towards people and we walk with people mm. and through their challenges. You know, for Andy, for you, as we get you in on the, the conversation, has that always been your paradigm of, of ministry and helping people that you just, just love them? Or how, where did you learn this and understand it? That's a great question. I mean, I, I wouldn't be the guy who just likes, oh, there's needs. I want to go after them. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm good. You're good. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, we're all sorted. Yeah, <laughs> so that's my natural tendency. But you know, when 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 Jesus got hold of my life in '81, the first thing He showed me was how how selfish I was mm-hmm. and how much people existed in my life as tools for me to to gain advantage in life. Um, and so that was a revolution in my own thinking from just coming from from responding to Christ. Is no God wants me to 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 look at people as people I'm being sent to and uh, to build relationships on the basis of something entirely different than my needs. So that's, it's not so much a pastoral thing. It's just a Christian thing. You know I mean? What you're reading there is not for pastors. That's for everybody. Um, This is how we're meant to live. This is what's, what's, what makes us radically different in the culture. Sadly, Christians are known for, for being radically different in a lot of the wrong ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is, is be radically different in that way. Yeah. And so that's what God, you know, and, and because we're selfish people, that's that's what the button God's always pressing. You know, he's always pushing us back. He's always taking us back. So, so you you know, you're like most people, uh, I'm, I'm serving in various ways in my church. I'm trying to help people. I realize I'm trying to help them for all kinds of reasons. Some of them because I want to feel better about myself. Some of them because I want to fix them. Uh, some of them because they're just in my way, whatever. And God's always taking me back to know what does it mean to love folks. Hmm. Yes, you know. And what pastoral ministry does is it puts you, at least in our culture, more in direct contact contact with people in desperate need, more in direct contact with people who have turned a lot of places and don't have a place else to go. So it might be in the case of a of a, of a relationship or a marriage that's gone bad. It might be in the case of of a, of a of a physical illness diagnosis. Mm. It might be in the case of a loss in a family. You know, you're pressed into people in their weaknesses. And so that just kind of gave me a heart. And then you start encountering people whose, whose actions and behaviors and affects don't make sense to you. Mm. And you start to realize, okay, there are other things going on here than just choices and decisions Mm. and, and experiences and, and circumstances. There's, and so I kind of realized I've got to be better prepared to deal with things that make no sense to me hmm. and not pull out of the game at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's when I began to push toward this particular area. Yeah, um, yeah. excellent. And so, so what type of studies have you done in this area over your time? Well, I, I, I got my master's in counseling um, through, through Westminster Seminary. Okay. So it's a biblical counseling master's because uh, I wanted to counsel biblically. But one of the things I really appreciated about uh, about the Westminster program was it wasn't it it, it wasn't let's just stay in the Christian lane mm. and only talk about things that Christians experience, and it wasn't let's dive into the psychological pool and get as much as we can from there to help people. It's let's recognize where people are living and what they're experiencing. Let's know enough about how that's understood. Let's help them understand it and then reinterpret it in light of the scriptures so that their foundational 
orientation is from the scriptures and not from a psychological worldview. Because frank, frankly, yeah. <clears throat> psychology is the air we breathe, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, but but psychology, though it it has a lot of great insights, it's fundamentally atheist. It it fundamentally assumes <laughs> there is only here, there is not an eternity, there is only life here, and so everything you're ever going to get, you better get here. Hmm. And the gospel says, no, this is preparation for another world. It's yes. a radically different way of looking at my life and my yes. problems. And so part of what we need to do in counseling is, as, as Christians and as pastors is recognize we're counseling into a world that sees nothing but me right now and say, you've been safe for so much more. How can I help bridge that gap? Yes. So that's kind of, yeah. so that's what I was taught. How do I do that? How do I, how do I engage, interpret, reinterpret? to help people see their issues in light of the scriptures, not denying mental health diagnosis and those kind of things, but help yep. them understand that in the bigger picture. Excellent. Yeah, the, the, the mental health world for some can be just don't go there because yeah. it is, you know, the foundation, yeah. atheistic, godless. They're not turning people back to Christ. Mm-hmm. So some Christians, like you said, Dave, yeah. can be afraid to send exactly. someone into the mental yeah. health sure, yeah. world. Yeah. Other people see it as like, well, if I've got a broken arm, I don't go to my pastor. Yeah. i got a broken head. I'm yeah. going to go to my psychologist or the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that also doesn't really account for how the Bible sees us as a human being. Mm-hmm. That we are, we don't just have brains that operate, you know, separately from our, yeah. our body, our emotions, our, our, our heart's desires. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk just briefly about the the way the Bible sees us as human beings yeah, yeah. Uh, and how God puts together our body and our heart yeah. and our mind and we can't just treat one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, we know we're, we're created in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, and so that means we have a personhood that is beautiful to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and underneath everything, we will always have a personhood. Uh, as much as mental uh, disabilities can can skew who we are, underneath we are always image bearers of God. And so when yes. we are dealing with somebody who, no matter what they're doing, there and there are there are mental health conditions that can really wreak havoc. Um, but we're never just our problems. Mm. You know, we are people. We, we um, yes, amen. you know, we, we don't ever lose our personhood. That's essential to the Bible. Um, and we're, But we're per- people before God. And we know sin has caused us in, to... To have a fundamental flaw, hmm. you know, which has physiological and mental and emotional and spiritual implications. So, there. The, sometimes people say, "Well, isn't it all sin?" Well, there's no part of us that sin has not affected, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's all sin. Hmm. Right. Uh, it simply means that we have to recognize that we're not self-healing. Hmm. We need a redemptive intervention. From God for anything. I mean, you can be the most successful person in Sydney. You can have it all together. You can have a, you know, you can have a house down, uh, you know, mm-hmm. right, right, right down on the harbor, <laughs> and be seriously messed up in God's eyes. Yeah. You know, so God's view of us is not based on a human understanding of brokenness. It's based on, the, on His understanding of brokenness, yeah. which is brokenness before Christ, in need of Jesus. Yeah. When Jesus comes into our lives and we are born again, um, we there is now God living inside of us. God starting to do a corrective work mm. in us. So there's a fundamental difference between 
an unbeliever struggling with mental illness and a believer struggling with mental illness yeah. because we have the, uh, the, the, the spirit, what John Owen called the beautifier of souls. <laughs> that's a great expression. You know, that's, I love that. That's what the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is doing. He's beautifying that's, that's my soul. And so that's what we have going for us. We have a community that hopefully is a community that, that we learn to love in and are loved by, right? Um, and we're not just isolated. A lot of mental illness in Western world is through isolation mm, yeah. and, um, and competition with people, the sense of standards I have to live or things I have to have to be happy. All that stuff plays into it. The, the church is a place where we, we are a body of believers and we live before God together and we help one another. And when we're broken, we help each other. Um, and, uh, and, and then we have, a, you know, actually a lot, final piece is just, there's a tendency in the secular world and in the Christian world in different ways to divide people into different categories. Well, that's physical, or that's mm. spiritual, mm. or that's mental, or that's emotional. And a biblical anthropology says we're always whole. Mm. We may look fragmented, but our physicality affects our spirituality. Our spirituality affects our physicality. Our emotions are have both spiritual and and physiological um, causes. Yeah, you know. So because our our brains are active, uh, Ed Welch says it great. He he says we live in at this intersection between uh, our our soul and our spirit, which is talked about in the Bible as, and I'm, I'm basically plagiarizing him, um, which, which the Bible talks about as obedient and disobedient. So mm-hmm. on the level of our hearts, our soul, we're obedient and disobedient. The Bible also talks about us in terms of our physicality, our, uh, you know, our bodies, which are talked about in the Bible as weak or strong. Mm-hmm. And so the brain is where both of those meet, where the weak and the strong mm-hmm. meet the obedient and the disobedient and the believing and the unbelieving and so that's why we have to we have to embrace the fact that we're complex not reduce it down to simple things keep the complex complex yeah and, and love forces us there because yeah, if we want to truly and, love and it allows people, us to yeah. you know that passage right there gives you all you need for handling anybody in any situation hmm. yes amen Mm. I like what I think it's Mike Emlett says, and he's probably quoting someone else, yeah. but it might not be him. I can't remember. But that everyone is a is a every Christian is a sinner, a saint, and a sufferer. Yeah, I think that talks yeah. about what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, obedient, disobedient. Mm-hmm. That's the sinner, saint, holy. Yeah. got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but also sufferers. Also you sufferers. Know, if you are sleep deprived for seven days, yeah. you are not going to make good decisions if your thyroid is not functioning properly because of some part of the curse you're going to have different emotional landscape if we gamble away all our money we will suffer yeah it it might be self-induced but it's still suffering yeah yes you know and we don't sort of say okay you know what i'm sorry that's that's unrighteous suffering just go right right no we say how do we help you Mm. yeah um so yeah yeah. uh, Okay, so on Saturday, we had this time when we got all of our small group leaders together, yeah. uh, and you did great teaching. It was a great day. And at the end, we had a Q&A time, and someone asked, so someone's in my group, and you know they, they clearly need help. Yeah. Um, they're wanting to go, should I refer them to see a mental health professional, or should I deal with it in-house? 
um, say they've got depression. Yeah. And you gave this great image of the you, the surf shack bungalow. Yeah. And, and about how that helps us to see how how do we actually on the ground level help people? Yeah. When they're struggling, yeah. when they're sinner saint suffering, and it's all coming together. Um, and how do we involve the mental health world? So why don't you, why don't you talk through sure. that image? Yeah, the idea behind it is, you know, someone comes to you and they're, or you just are aware that they're suffering and they come to you and, and, you know, a great question to ask, what do you think you should do? What do you want to do? Well, that's what the person says, I don't know. Or, well, what are you doing? I'm, you know, I, I can't do anything. You know, maybe it's depression. Mm. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's something else where that you just realize and they're just withdrawn and they just... Depression, people describe as walls closing in around them, mm-hmm. and 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 suffocating is a word you'll often. I feel suffocated in life, and so you know, as I was thinking about it, uh, I you know, this is a while back. I just had this image when we were. I was younger. I was in college. We would we would go to the beach uh, on a spring break, and it was our spring break was early in the year. So you would go to the beach, and you'd be sort of the first people into a house, right? You'd get a house, and we're college students. We're mm. getting shacks. Right? <laughs> um, but they've been closed up all season, right? And uh, you guys are right. You're on the coast. I, I guess this is the case in the Pacific as well as the Atlantic. But uh, if you close up a house that's been next to the beach, it starts to smell inside because it's just all the salt fish air and starts to smell fishy so you open that back door that's the first thing you're gonna get it's gonna smell bad it's gonna be <clears throat> house closed up <clears throat> and everything going stale well that's what our lives can be like right <clears throat> you know everything's gone stale and you can talk to me somebody that's still talking about you know i have no interest in doing anything no motivation i know god wants me to i just feel guilty i feel all the time yeah. i just live in guilt i live in shame i live in just and ruminations and you know there's a lot of study these days on on the the pathway of rumination, which is simply repeating the same thoughts to myself over and over and mm-hmm. over again and getting in cycles of bad thoughts. That's very common. Depression is an issue. So so the idea is, well, what do we do with that? If we're if we're going into that house, we're going to open the door, hope some air gets in. Now, mm-hmm. one door is not going to let a lot of air. So you got to go to the back of the house. You open up a window or another door. Mm-hmm. Get a little flow going through. Get some fresh air right. in. Well, if you're really smart, you're going to open up all the doors and windows you can to get as much air flowing in as possible so that the stale air goes and what you have is fresh air. That's the picture I have and for, you know, for both people and for how to help them is what, what do they have open? Do they have a door open? One of the dangers is people will prescribe one door. Right. Yeah, right. You need to go to uh, to your mental health professional, to your GP. Um, you need to get help. You know, you need medication. You need to repent. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to be at church. They're all one door solutions, and we tend to offer people one door mm-hmm. solutions, which yeah. doesn't create any sense of flow in their lives. But if you sort of say, let's look at, start looking at some doors. What doors can we open? What windows can we open? So then you start saying, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe you, you, it would be good for you to go to your doctor and see if there's anything physical going on here. Uh, but you know what? Maybe also start reading your Bible. Um, or maybe also, why don't you come out to a small group? Or, you know, you haven't been attending church. Why don't you just start coming out to church? Not like it's going to fix it because 
going to church is not going to fix the problem. That's just one door. Right. But you start opening up more doors, and what happens is, you know, then 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 things start to to air out mm. in someone's life, and that's actually you know for depression in particular, that's really what is prescribed uh, in the mental health world. It is not medication alone. Right. It is not therapy alone. They'll tell mm. you one of the best things you can do for depression, exercise. Mm. <laughs> They'll say get sleep, get exercise, because you're you need you need something going on in your adrenaline to pump you up. You know, yeah. that's just, you know, that's your body at work. Mm. So that's what the idea is. And ideally, as Christians, we want to live as if our lives are gazebos, mm. where it's more <laughs> windows than, than walls. Yeah, very good. You know, that's a way to healthy spirituality, mm. healthy, healthy humanity. So service is one. You know, I don't, I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. It doesn't matter. You know, get out there and do it because Jesus says he'll bless it. Yeah. You know, so it's that. It's And, and <clears throat> that way we can come across, yeah. we, we can walk with somebody, helping them keep those doors and windows open. And that's much better than trying to fix their problem through an answer to a question. Yeah. And would you say that <clears throat> right there is probably where the intersection of what a pastor does? I We don't just... Okay, somebody comes to you, or you hear wind that there's a yeah. challenge, and you pretty much say, "Hey, you should go to your psychiatrist." Yeah. Or you, your counsel seems to be more, "Hey, maybe walk with people yeah. and help them get some of these doors and windows yeah. open." Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, well, I think pastors typically have two solutions for what would what would present as a mental health issue. As many as two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. One is you go somewhere else. Yeah. Or one is I will fix you here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are the two solutions. Neither of them yeah. are really satisfactory. Yeah, I've been yeah. guilty of <laughs> doing that. Do both, you know. You try one, that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay, go with me after all. <laughs> That's right, really. So I think, and again, there's a, the interesting thing that happens is, we all do this, but I think pastors are susceptible to it. Somebody walks in my door with a problem. I'm presuming it's my job to get it fixed. Mm. You know, that's not my job. Mm-hmm. It's not my job because I shouldn't try. It's my job because I'm just entering to their life at a certain moment. That problem may have been germinating for decades. Right. Just because it shows up in my mm-hmm. in my office that day doesn't mean okay, time to fix it. I don't know if the, if God intends to work on this problem for another six years. Yeah. And I'm just now along for the journey. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a we have, a, we have this concept, uh, and I think, I think well-meaning right Christians and pastors have, is that people are fixable. Mm-hmm. Nobody is fixable. Everybody is changeable. Hmm. Nobody's fixable. And we've got to get out of the fixing mm-hmm. mindset into the where They're in a process of change that in, for some reason God has brought them into my experience right now. How do I posture myself so I can participate in the change that God already is at work doing. Amen. That's what we have to do. Otherwise, one of two things will happen. We'll try to fix people, and they don't, and we end up hurting people. Mm. Or we uh, we just run out of patience. Yeah. Mm. You know, because they don't fix on our timetable. Yeah. Because our timetable isn't God's. Right. So we have to, that's the danger of setting up a bunch of sessions with people. Okay, we're going to do six sessions, and why? Because at the end of six sessions, you should be fixed. Mm. Right, it's not that way. You know, Jesus walks mm. alongside of us. Mm. You know, and like the Holy Spirit is is the Paraclete, the one Amen. who walks alongside. 
And, and likewise, the other way. I mean, I was yeah. listening to something recently, and the council was okay. So somebody, somebody in your church presents. Maybe they're an aspiring leader. Yeah. And they present with pornography issues. Yes. What do you do? And the council yeah. was well. Let's let's send them off as a psychologist for twelve months. Yeah. And then let's go from there. Yeah. So the assumption is. <laughs> They go to a specialist, they get fixed, they come yeah. back now, we carry on. Yeah. What would you think about that? That solution? Yeah. Probably not helpful. Yeah. You know? Um, not redemptive. Mm. Uh, no no redemptive game plan in play. Just a fix it. Got to fix it. Um, I think, first of all, I would do, no matter what somebody comes in with, I presume I don't understand... And I presume the presenting issue is not the full picture. Mm. I need to know more. I need to know their problem in light of who they are and what's going on in their lives. You know, we're embedded. You know, our souls are embedded in us. We, our struggles are embedded in a bigger life picture. So if I'm going to serve somebody and care for somebody, I want to know them in their problems. So if somebody comes in and they have a, and they drop something heavy on you, mm. first thing you do is say, stop, wait a second. We're not dealing with a problem right now. We're dealing with a person. Yes. Right? This person is caught in sin or is experiencing trial of some form. Maybe it's maybe it's a it's a cancer diagnosis. Right. You know, no, I gotta it's a per some some and people will begin to relate to their problem, whatever it is, in a way that reveals their hearts. That gives me the opportunity, if I'm close enough, where I'm close enough and trusted enough where they let me walk with them as God reveals their heart. Then that gives me the raw material and I help them. But I'm also doing other things in the meantime. I'm, how can I pray for you? It's, you know, you know, uh, let's say it's gambling. Um, okay, you know, should we, should we uh, meet a financial need? The answer isn't always no. The answer is, is there a way, maybe his family is going to suffer, mm. right? We do it for them. Or maybe it's an extension of mercy, not a commitment to fixing your problems. Mm. But what can we do? What, you know, And so you want the Holy Spirit speaking to you as well about how you move. So, so, uh, so true biblical counseling, true pastoral counseling is not method driven. It's mm. person driven. Yeah, man. I love that. I love yeah. that. <clears throat> and I think with that example you shared, Dave, that I wonder if the church is just a little bit behind on the times in that we're catching up to the mental health world yeah. and thinking, oh, if someone's dealing with porn, it's an addiction, therefore yeah. it's a brain issue, therefore yeah. go see a psychologist, help right. them with the addiction. Um, and I think that's probably old psychological thinking. They probably wouldn't say. Yeah, I, I think I think problem. that's a big thing. Is it is it a uh, is it a uh, addictions themselves? Does it fit a mental health diagnosis? Is a big issue. Yeah, because it's there's a lot of uh, volition in it, mm. and um, and there's a lot of uh, you know there, there's a lot of chaos in it. Yeah, mm. and so and frankly. It produces legal issues, and so the mm. the the, uh, the culture's not ready to say addiction. No, you know you robbed that guy, but you're an addict. You're okay. Yeah, that's one of the places where the culture's really wrestling is in the tendency to want to remove the issue of consequence and guilt from mental health. They don't have to do with someone who has you know had a manic episode 
and has done has done things and and has to pay for them. Mm. You, you're still responsible mm. to the, the right. You know the, the society still has a category for uh, for legally responsible though mentally incapacitated. Right. right. You know. So it's it, those are gray areas, and and they're gray areas for us. It doesn't mean so addiction. Uh, there is volition, and if you talk to anybody who's been addicted, um, just a quick sideline, another another big uh, conversation in the addictions world is there are there are substance addictions and there are behavior addictions. Right. Substance addictions are easy to trace to this drug mm. does this to yeah, me. Yeah, we're taking it. Yeah. But where there there's a little less clear is on can this 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 action or this pat pattern of things do this to you we know enough to know that that the brain is malleable it it that's why everything it isn't just brain cause things cause things in the brain too mm. so it's a complex place it's a very mm. complex thing but what it, what it means is that as believers we have a better solution on addictions than it's a it's a mental health issue doesn't mean the the, the brain isn't involved there isn't significant patterning of of the way the brain works. Here's an interesting thing. Mm. When someone is addicted to heroin, for example, uh, they go uh, and they make a decision to score. They've been, they've been clean. They make hmm. a decision to score. The, everything in the brain that the, uh, that the drug is meant to do starts doing before they get the drug. Oh wow! It starts happening when they when they release themselves to go find it. <laughs> the brain has trained itself to want something that the drug will hmm. hyperdrive, hmm. and that's that's addiction. That's why you know, and 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 we know that we come come home from a busy Sunday, and uh, I, I need a quiet afternoon. <laughs> And I don't have any patience. That's your brain hmm. already defining its cravings for you. It's the down, yes. the escalator's already. Yeah, it's already going down. <laughs> okay. I, I, way off topic, sorry. No, no that's good. good. I mean, good. it's helpful because I think, I think the church can have a tendency to not want to hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, well, let's just deal with it biblically. Yeah. And you've got this problem. They're like, oh, this sounds too hard. Let's get the the professionals involved. Yeah. And then maybe put people there without seeing it. Well, let's walk with them. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we're, we, particularly here in Australia, we are increasingly just in a, in a professional world. Sure. So if I really love my people, yeah. as soon as there's a problem, actually not even just mental health, if there's a significant problem in their marriage, significant problem in yeah. parenting, significant problem in health, I'm just going to send them out. Yeah. And I, it's not going to be anything to do with me. It's yeah. an increasingly common yeah, reality, but then pastors aren't aren't necessarily shepherding people yeah. and walking with sheep. But I, I would venture to say that it's happening on their side as well. People that have problems want them fixed. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And so when a pastor yes. says, "Let me walk with you," they're going to say, "I don't want you to walk with me. Yeah. <laughs> I want to find a fix. Thank yeah. you very much." And yeah. they're going to run to a fix. Mm. Yeah. And so as oh, pastors, sure. one of the places we can get caught is then we can start to make them feel like they're abandoning Jesus or they're rejecting care as instead of saying, well, if that's, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, it's not going to fix it. And the person who you're going to, if they're 
if, if they're responsible, will say we can't fix it. Yes. You know, mm. and they'll send you to what? What is a what is a, a a therapist who is really really good at their job say? They bring somebody in, they let them share whatever the issue is. They look and see would would medication help? And the question is not does medication cure, is can it help? Help, right? Yeah. Because um, everybody who who is responsible using medication. Uh, knows that the best it can do is take extremes and bring them down mm. to mm. a level where somebody can deal with the underlying issues, yeah. right? So that's what they're going to do. They're going to, you know, they're going to walk with somebody, but then they're going to sort of say, "What are the supports in?" I'm, I'm using kind of quotes. What are supports in your life? Oh, you've got community. Talk to your community. Mm. Oh, you have a place where you can go and you can help others because you're not you're focused on yourself. Oh, you can go and help others. Go to your synagogue. Go to your go to your mosque. Go to your church. You know, unless they're unless they're anti-religious, they don't care whether you're Christian. Mm. They just know that environment is where you can get help. Mm. Well. And and so we can sort of count on, for the most part, the the psychological community pushing them back toward us. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be afraid of it. We're not losing them. They're going to probably if they're and if they're not doing it, they're saying, "Well, we're going to you just keep you know after your six sessions, you just keep coming and paying." And then you're talking about somebody's making a making a living off of you. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you like like to buy friendship, that's a way to do it. But, you know. Just budget for it. Not even cheap. Yeah. So that so we have the image of the house, opening windows yeah. and doors. I mean, I think we've kind of touched on the image of side by side. Yeah. So we're not we're not just no we're not the spoke and now we send people out to profession. Yeah. Well, well, maybe it is a little bit like that, but we're not just a referral agency. Yeah. What we're, we're what walking we with them in it. Yeah, we're helping them navigate how to position the resources God's given them in their lives. Mm-hmm. But we're not as the terminal fixed point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not the, you've arrived here and it's my job and it should be your expectation that I fix your problem. Mm-hmm. That's what we're not. Yeah. And we're not sending them off to be fixed either. By fixed by so we, we walk with yeah, them because we love them yeah. side by side, like yeah. a shepherd with a weak sheep. Yeah. And we might need to take him to the vet, yeah. but then we come yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> we take him, you know, here yeah. to get, you know, yeah. to right. the vet. take me to the vet a few yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when someone's gone for me, I, I've said, listen, why don't you, why don't you go? I'll, I'll, I'll give them some suggestions on, on about how to look because I want to be good consumers of mental health services because mm-hmm. it's complicated. And then I didn't tell me how it goes. And then, you know, and if you want to, you know, connect the your, your therapist with me and we'll talk and I'll make sure that what we're trying to help you with is not different than what they're and we'll try to coordinate mm. what we're doing because we don't want you to get confusing messages. Mm. My pastor says this, my therapist says this. So I was talking to a therapist a couple weeks ago and it's just okay, you're covering this? Okay, good. I don't have to cover that. Mm. I can I can help her with mm. this. Okay, good. Now we've got now we got two windows open yeah. that can flow between pastor and therapist. Yes. Now hopefully it's a Christian therapist. Hopefully if it's not a Christian therapist, because you don't always find one, it's somebody who's respectful hmm. and isn't going to impose a value system onto somebody. That's malpractice. Hmm. You know, uh, but uh, it is in the states and should. Hmm. I think he's probably here too. Yeah. 
So no, you're, it should be a values neutral environment. Hmm. Whatever your values are, my job is to respect those values and help you within them. Yeah. Unless there's something pathological about that. Yeah. So. Okay, so we've got the house. We've got the side-by-side. The final image I thought was really helpful, and I remember you guys teaching me this at Passes mm-hmm. College, um, is the, the image of, you know, counselor, counselee, yeah. and then who, who's involved in every counseling yeah. conversation. Yeah. Why, don't yeah. you, why don't you talk on that for a little bit? Yeah, well, there's a principle in counseling um, that it's a, it's a communication, it's, it's a dialogue, right? So one side principle of it is you don't counsel somebody who's not in the room, right? <laughs> so if someone comes in, it's a marriage situation and it's a spouse, and you know, and they're and what they're looking for is for you to give them to say to their spouse. No, the spouse isn't in the room. We're not hearing their side of the story. So I have nothing for them. I have this for you. <laughs> That's one principle of the of the dialogue part of it, but in therapeutic. Uh, orientation, it doesn't matter whether it's Freudian, it doesn't matter whether it's Rogerian, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, in some sense, uh, uh, it's a dialogue. The only people in this room are the people in this room. Mm. The Christian perspective is it's never just a dialogue because there's a person in the room who is not sitting in the chair, Yeah, and that's the Holy Spirit. If yeah. you're believers, if one of you is a believer... If none of you are believers, he may still be there. Yeah. We <laughs> hope. Yeah. You know, one of you might get saved unintentionally, but, uh, but if you're believers, the Holy Spirit is in your heart, he's in your soul, and he's, and he's overseen. Yeah, he oversees. And so he's wanting to speak. And so as you and I are talking, mm. are we listening for the Holy Spirit? Mm. You know, so as I'm a pastor, it's important for pastors. I don't want to trade on pastoral authority. Mm. I don't want to trade on pastoral wisdom. I want to be able to have a conversation, trusting the Holy Spirit will speak even against what I'm saying. Mm. So, so a lot of times in the middle of conversations, I'll say, well, you know, what are you hearing? You know, uh, how are you? Are you? And, I, and and I'll finish and I'll say, listen, okay, here's we've talked about a lot of stuff. The one thing I don't want you to do is go out of here trying to process we've talked about mm. if the Holy Spirit has been involved he will put something into your heart <laughs> that makes sense for where you're at that's the only thing you need to work on it's like a good preacher I don't want you to know all three of my I don't want you to have gotten a pure outline I want you to have heard from the Lord for where you're at mm. so it's that principle the same thing same thing you want to do you know if you're a pastor same thing you want to happen in preaching where you don't have somebody who just comes back and say, you know, I loved your three points. That was great organization. Yeah. Yeah. You want to say, God spoke. Mm. Yeah. That should be, it's a dynamic, what we call a trial. 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 Not my word. Uh, stole it from Pete who stole it from somebody else. Um, but that's the concept. And that's the beauty of, of biblical counseling is it presumes and needs the trial to be working or we should not even be talking. Mm. Mm. And it it's wonderfully liberating. Yeah. And it can help liberate the other person yes. too. So if you if yeah. you're coming into a counseling situation, yeah. you can recognize with the person. Yeah. Like I'm not a, but God's here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and I might not have the answers but you know, you said yeah. this, but someone does. Yeah. And yes. he's here. And we are more alike than we are different. Mm. No matter what the situation is. Yeah. It's not that I know what you're feeling or I know what you're experiencing because we never say that. Mm. But it is, 
underneath it all, we, we are both desperately in need of renovation by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And if that's not happening, one of us may be performing better, <laughs> but we're not growing. Yeah. And we're not changing and we're not becoming more like Christ. That's Becoming more like Jesus cannot be accomplished in counseling. All we can do is feed it. And then as a counselor, you can go in with confidence. Yeah, confidence, yeah. Because the Holy Spirit's there. Yeah. And you can yeah. leave without pride or despair yeah. Yeah. because the Holy Spirit's there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if it's a great yeah. session and they're crying, you think, yeah. wow, we, we made progress here. Yeah. Like, well, let's... Maybe not. Maybe only if the Holy Spirit yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you've just really upset them. Yeah. 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 Oh, really? Yeah. I thought yeah. crying yeah. meant I was winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you don't have to leave with despair, thinking yeah. I just I've ruined their life. Yeah. Yes, because you think ah, oh, it's it's the spirit. Like, yeah. John Newton is kind of my oh, yes. my counseling uh, hero, even though you're, you're getting a lot of it from his letters. But mm. he, you know, one time he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this because I'm fucked on my head." But he said, "You know, when I'm in my study, and someone knocks at the door, I said it's an adventure." <laughs> something something, something from God is about to happen. And that's what I love. That's what I want to that's be. So, you know, <laughs> if it, I'm in my small group and somebody opens up something or they sit down and we're having coffee, something's about to happen that's cool. that God is in. It's an adventure that I won't be part of. Hmm. Not a project. <laughs> Not a project, right? Mm-hmm. As we close out, Andy, why don't you and Dave, why don't you jump in on this as well? Top recommendations of resources that people could go towards. Yeah. They're liking what you're saying. They think, mm-hmm. oh, that, that's that's helpful. Yeah. Um, where can they go to get more yeah. of this type of stuff? And Dave, why don't you mm-hmm. jump in as well? Because you've done mm-hmm. a lot of counseling over the years, yeah. a lot of different situations. What's been most and helpful? And he's schooling me on what I should have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've done a lot. And now There's we're going to have to contact. you got a yeah. long call sheet of people. Yeah. That yeah. Right, I'm, I'm sorry. Can we do it again? Yeah. It was more of a tough moment. Repentance tour 2022. Yeah. Repentance tour 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Global. <laughs> I'll be at a repentance tour. I'll be at a coffee shop near you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Andy, where, where would you point people to key resources? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of books, and nobody reads books anymore, but I'll, I'll reference a couple. Um, Though they should. So they should, yeah. 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 This is I not permission. Should. And <laughs> I've written books, so read books. But, uh, but, and um, not many authors actually say, No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> why am I writing these? Things? Yeah, that's right. You have to look at sales to know that. But, um, uh, I will plug a couple of books of mine. Yeah, right? plug your books. Yeah, yeah. And plug some so I wrote two books, and just the reason I'm plugging is not because I want you to buy them, but the idea behind them is I feel like what we have is in good gospel preaching churches is a tendency to have the gospel limited around atonement language. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So and so that means if I'm trying to help you with the gospel, I'm trying to get you into the atonement paradigm. No matter what your problem is, mm-hmm. Jesus has died for your sins. The essential truth, mm-hmm. but it's not the only way to, that that the Bible describes mm-hmm. what's happened. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to I wanted to say, can we tackle complex problems with different imagery from salvific imagery? So I wrote a book called called Real Peace. Which was what if we took the, me- the, the 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 gospel concept of reconciliation to God and to others and 
producing peace, peace with God, peace with others, peace in my soul, and we applied it to complex areas. So I did that, and I and I and I addressed uh, uh, depression, mm. anxiety, grief, a certain kind of marital conflict, um, and uh, a couple of other things. Just to say, if we just looked at through that paradigm, what would the what would the gospel? How would it come alive for us? Right. Then I did a second one called Trapped, which uses the the paradigm of, of redemption, purchased out of bondage into freedom. And then I applied that to addictions and and uh, and sexual uh, and and actually sexual sin and eating disorders, um, and uh, and a few more things. Just complex problems. The whole goal is, I think the gospel speaks into complex problems. We don't fix complex problems. And then apply the gospel, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't just kind of come in with a a one paragraph gospel statement, mm-hmm. thinking that will address everything. Mm-hmm. How do we play? So mm-hmm. one of the things I want anybody to do who's doing this is, you need to be gospel fluent. You need to be able to talk in mm-hmm. redemption terms. You need to be able to talk in reconciliation, in adoption, in glorification, in sanctification. Those are beautiful image packages that we can use to help one another. So I'm talking to pastors, I'm saying, when you're preaching, when you're teaching, when you're helping people, help them understand the nature of adoption and all these things, not just for themselves, but to help other people as well. Mm-hmm. Draw, make those, you know, draw those connections. So those, that's two books. Um, uh, so my, that was Trapped and Real Peace. And Real Peace, yeah, which, are, which you can order them. I think they're still out there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the... Uh, Mike Emlett produced a, a fairly short book called Descriptions and Prescriptions, mm. which is, he's a, he's a medical doctor, and it's just a great introduction into how how diagnosis works in the mental health field mm. and how medications work and don't work. Particularly in, in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. But you're actually very similar here. Right, okay. Diagnostically mm-hmm. and medication-wise. Everybody's drawing off the same medication yeah. list. So it just, it breaks down the mystery and the complexity and the mm. sense of, you know, so if you're if you're if you're being prescribed something, you might want to know how it's working, mm-hmm. why it's supposed to be doing what it's doing, what it's doing in your body. Um, so it's a great short book. Um, otherwise, uh, I'm I'm part of a uh, of a group called the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Coalition, that's what I, yeah. I said. Association. Yeah, it's not association; it's coalition. Um, but and you could just go biblicalcounselingcoalition.org. And what it is, it's a, it's actually a, it's a, it's actually a global uh, group because we have folks from all over the world. Nobody in Australia, which we you got to work on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. help me get connected to somebody because we're looking to really tie people who are trying to do responsible biblical counseling together in a network mm-hmm. so we can help one another. Yeah. But there's there's folks from all over the world there, but they're committed to. Um, to a uh, to a statement of faith that we can all hold to. It's a robust statement of faith, but it allows for Anglican or mm-hmm. Baptist or whatever, you know. Um, and then to a, uh, a a statement of principles for how we care, and a definition of biblical counseling that we all know we're holding to. And then within that, there's you know there's blogs, there's resources. You so you can go just go you know search something you know you know multiple personality disorder. Boom, put in there, right. and there'll be somebody talking about how to deal with that, how to understand that. Um, that's a great resource. 
And all the other ones I would recommend, like CCEF, are all accessible from that point. Okay. So that's what I do. Go there if you're interested for yourself or others. I do it all the time. I've got somebody coming in, mm-hmm. they want to talk about something. I just hit that baby and just kind of get some background. Yeah. Get familiar. Great. Because you, you know when you go to that website... You know where the people are coming from yeah, that are yeah, writing, yeah. that they share yeah. a similar theological yeah. and yeah. Know, biblical worldview. Yeah. Okay. And if they deviate theologically or their methodology becomes too much uh, oriented toward uh, a humanistic anthropology, um, some of them are psychologists. There's psychiatrists on there. So it's not like, oh, you know, you, you have to be a non academic, there's a lot of academics there. But they're committed to a, a, a biblical anthropology, understanding of people, hmm. not a humanistic psychological understanding of people. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Dave, what about for you? Well, right, I'd want you to know that I have no pressure on me right now. I'm sitting next to an author of <laughs> yeah. the books. How many books? I've been a pastor yeah. for about 150 years. Well, you can years. recommend my books too, if you want. <laughs> how, many, how many books have you written, Dave? Well, I think Andy's actually written more than I've read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm feeling no pressure at all. Um, a couple of things that I'd probably say that I think um, instruments in Redeemer's hands. Yes, like culture. Yeah, culture. I've always found that really helpful, and the whole paradigm of love, no speak, do. Mm-hmm. I think that's really influenced um, my life, and I'd recommend that. I, I would agree that I think sometimes the start of the book is excellent, and then he starts repeating it back. Yeah. But if you can get that in your mind, that paradigm. Oh, here's another thing. I've said this on things love, no speak, do. And because people haven't known how the word no is spelled, the way they've interpreted it is love, no. <laughs> do not love. It's a K N O W. K N O W. Just speak and do. Just speak and do. No love. Maybe that's where Riley went wrong. No, I misunderstood. Wait, isn't that how you do biblical counseling? Someone comes in like, I love you. They said, I've got this problem. You say, stop it. No. Yes. No, no more. We're not talking about No that. more porn. No. Okay. Yes. Now, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ronnie's counseling appointments can be brief. Brief, yeah. Very yeah. brief. Five, five minutes. Yeah. Give me five minutes. Yeah. And I'm yeah, sorry. And when Ronnie says he's, that he's doing five counseling appointments on a Saturday, yeah. incredibly. He's still, still out of there by 10 o'clock. 45 minutes. <laughs> I'll still amazing. go to the game. I'll still go to the game. That's right. Anyway, Love No Speak okay. New by Trip is, is really good. I would say then for me, something that's helped me and certainly I'd encourage our listeners. Under that banner of love, I think as leaders and pastors, that's where we've really got to tend to our own hearts. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think the Bible, you know, yeah. I think it, without being that's true. simplistic, just genuinely s- sitting at the feet of Jesus, mm. I don't think, well, I know, no one loved better than him. Yes. And I think when you walk with him through the Gospels, when you then read, I think, I find the Apostle Paul yeah, super example. helpful. His example of, yeah. you know, I always thank God for you. And then you, you start studying the people he's saying that to, and you're like, oh, yeah. man, they were pretty Seriously. messed up. Yeah. Um, so I think that spending time in the New Testament in particular around Paul, around the Gospels, can inform our hearts. Because if we're not doing that, then we can get super good at all the technicalities of how to do it. Yeah. I completely missed the point. Mm-hmm. And then people are a project in a sense. Mm. They are somebody you've just got to work on professionally. And I, and I would never want us to be, as pastors, professionals in that sense. We're shepherds who dearly love mm. people and want to get as skilled as we can as helping them. But I think that involves tending to our own hearts and that burden of, of love. So yeah, I'd, 
encourage people to get into their Bibles mm. if they want to lead in this way. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, And it's probably worth noting as well, professionals help and pastors help, but the Lord has designed the church in such a way that yeah. we, we counsel one another. We love yeah. one another. Yeah. We bear with one another's burdens that uh, we walk side by side with one yeah. another. And you may not be in, in any formal position in a church, but God can use you because you have yeah. the Holy Spirit, you have yeah. the word, uh, you know, the one who gives eternal life. And so encourage you to humbly step into people's mess and lean towards them in love. Yeah. Uh, and, and one book I would recommend is a book called um, Untangling Emotions mm-hmm. by Alastair Groves. Yes. And I think Winston Smith. And it gives yeah. a really great, because you know, emotions is a big, you know, popular topic and mm-hmm. how do we deal with them. Um, schools are doing lots on it, lots of professional development on it. Mm-hmm. But they give a good biblical understanding of, emotions and, and what to do and how to process what we would consider maybe negative experiences of emotions like anxiety or anger mm-hmm. or depression and how what do we do or do we just shut them down or do we let them go or yeah. uh, etc and it's i find that a really really helpful book and i'd highly recommend that excellent um, any last thoughts yeah just well you've summed it up and i want to make sure it's summed up in christ i think hmm. One of the things that's very helpful is to understand, and this, you guys are Westerners, like I'm a Westerner. It is distinctly an, an aspect of Western mentality that we read the Bible, the, the New Testament letters, individually, mm-hmm. not communally. And I think what I would encourage folks to do is read your New Testament as if it's to your whole body of believers. Mm-hmm. To you in the context of believers. It radically changes how you interpret yes. and apply verses when you recognize this is most of the yous are mm-hmm. not singular. Right. Second They're plural. plural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you read it that way, so that's one thing. As you're reading your Bible, sometimes I've found that people so individualize their Bible mm. that they actually misconstrue it in the way they find it. And so something that Something that it can feel, this is harsh. No, no, it actually, with you in the community, it actually is helpful. So that's one thing. And then just recognize, just just always study the gospel. Mm-hmm. Broadly, in some of the ways I just talked about, read about adoption. Mm-hmm. Read, about, read about sanctification. Read mm-hmm. about, get familiar with the, with, with the riches of the gospel. In addition mm. to the essence mm. of the gospel. Yes, because, you know, before we had all these great common grace insights into mental health yeah. world and how the brain functions, you know, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.16 that, you know, the every scripture is breathed out by God yes. and is useful um, and equips us for every mm. good work. Yeah. And so before we had the whole psychological mental health world, um, we, we still had... In a sense, all we needed for life and godliness yeah. it's contained in the in the goodness of Christ yes. and in in, in the, His Word and the Psalms is a great place to go and yeah. we could go on forever, uh, I think. Yeah. But I think we should end there. Andy, thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Here, um, and your insights are phenomenal. Uh, if people want to hear more from Andy, you can get his books. Uh, you can go to covfell.org mm-hmm. and search yeah. his sermons on there. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, you can go to that biblical counseling coalition site and you've got some articles on there i believe yeah yeah, yeah. awesome and, and that don't fit and uh, yes yeah 
If you're interested in the intersection between different races and different generations, Andy has a podcast, um, and you know you can't see Andy right now, but he's fairly white, uh, and he has a podcast. And old, old and white. Old and white, yeah, I should say. Old and white, and he has a podcast with a, a younger brother who is uh, African-American, and they talk about everything, and they look at how do you see the world through someone else's eyes and age. Uh, and they really get to know each other, and it's the gospel that it allows them to do that. So that's called That Don't Fit. Uh, And so I I recommend listening to it. All right, thank you. Uh, If you want to know more about Sovereign Grace Churches Australia, you can head to www.sovereigngrace.com. Is it? I have not. It's org? Org. Okay, sovereigngrace.org and then choose Australia. No, we don't have that. Yeah. Okay. Choose Australia. Sorry, I just just bought that whole thing. Well, I watched it first. (laughs) All right, see you later. Let's go. All right. All right. Let's All go. Right. Just All do right. this. Andy, stop wasting time. Yeah, come on. <laughs> we're normally way more efficient. Way more efficient. I'm messing up the whole vibe. We're using Yakov phrases and then we're like, we should redo it. It's like two hours where we're just warming up. The problem is, like,